0: If I didn't have those experiences as a child, I would have never been angry and I would never would have been in the NHL. He is an incredibly powerful and influential speaker. He is the expert on persuasion and influence. Michael Bernoff. Michael Bernoff.
1: So, Michael Bernoff. Please welcome
0: Michael Bernoff. Prepare to have your minds blown. Michael Bernoff.
1: Welcome, welcome officially to The Average Sucks Show. Super excited about today's guest for a variety of reasons. This is a hero of mine from childhood and as an adult, an absolute hero for what he has going on in the world and what happens and what he's really up to in the world. And our guest today is Theron Fleury. And if you're not familiar with him, I'm gonna throw a few things at you that most people have never done in their lives. One is a gold medal winner an NHL All-Star, one of the top goal scorers of all time in the NHL, and number, I believe it was 57 I looked the other day, in goals and goals in the NHL, points, played 15 years in the NHL, and is a hero to me, not just for that and his achievements there, because as I followed him and I've been watching him recently, one of the biggest things he said is, you know, that was easy for him. And one of the biggest reasons I'm super excited about him being here today is what he stands for in the world today in mental in the mental illness, in crisis, with trauma, and standing up for a world that... Today is filled with suicide and doubt and depression and shame. And I'm super excited that you're here today, Theron. And I'm really excited about your cause. And it was a book that I read in 2000, I believe it was 12. I it wound up Amazon. We got to thank Amazon for this interview. And they threw playing uh, with fire at me. And welcome, welcome today. And I'm super excited about this interview because we talked prior to this about really what you're up to and making a difference in the world. So. Who is Theron Flurry today in the world? Like, what what do you stand for now? Not the hockey guy.
0: Well, when I started on the journey, I I just told my story basically, and uh, and then I became an advocate, and now I'm an activist around uh, the subject of trauma, mental health, and addiction, and the uh, epidemic proportions that it's reached on this planet because. Um I don't think in my 10 years of doing research that anybody is immune from experiencing trauma you know in their life and I always like to say when I'm standing on stage and speaking and people are sort of wondering if they have trauma or not I said I'm going to just qualify every single human being in the audience by saying if you have parents You've experienced trauma in your life. It's truth. You know, because when it comes down to it, you know, those are the people that were in relationship from day one. And, you know, it's I'm not really blaming anybody. I'm just saying that people are doing the best they can with what they have. And, you know, we're basically trying to undo a hundred thousand years of trauma because. I read somewhere in the Bible one time that Cain killed Abel. Cain killed his brother. That's trauma. And that's where we started this whole cycle of trauma and abuse and human suffering and you name it.
1: Well, I I will tell you that one of the biggest things that stood out, I'd spent a long time this weekend watching a lot of your videos online, ones you've made, ones people made of you. And there was one takeaway segment I've been talking about healing people from the things that stopped them in their life for almost 20 years right now. And I've never in my life heard these words. You go to the doctor. What is the prescription for I was sexually abused or I have trauma? And the prescription is what, Valium? The prescription is is, go home and figure it out. Uh, The prescription is I don't know, go see a therapist. And those words rang in my ears. I'm like, there literally is Like a drawer of answers for diabetes. There's a drawer of answers for you blow your Achilles tendon out. There's a drawer for cancer. Even shit that doesn't work. Okay, give it a shot. What the hell's the answer? And 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 I'd love to get a little. I don't. We don't need to dig up. I mean, anyone can listen to listen to your book or read your book. I mean, we don't need to get into the drama of this to give the context of it. But. What do we do about that? Like, I, I, I know your story. And if you want to get into it a little, you can, I wasn't going to bore you with telling it again, unless you feel the, the need to, but. Well, you know,
0: it's as simple as both my parents experienced childhood trauma in their life, okay? And then that manifested itself into addictions. So my dad was an alcoholic. My mom was a prescription pill addict. And I grew up in a very chaotic environment did you uh, know
1: that as a kid like did no, you know, I had no idea I just was it just it was, normal or you I didn't didn't thought see it, it was normal the bo- okay yeah,
0: I just thought it was normal and um and so you know, I grew up in chaos and violence and arguing and you know all these things, and so you know what we see, we end up repeating right, and so uh, you know, as an adult, I struggled in relationship all the time, right? Because of, and then, you know, as a phenom hockey player, as a kid, you know, I ran into this guy who basically promised me a one-way ticket to the NHL. And then over two and a half year period, you know, he raped me 150 times. And I say the word rape,
1: yeah. because
0: know, because I don't like the word sexual abuse because it was made up by some, smart-ass lawyer to get his clients off of longer sentences. Wow. That's why he uses the word sexual abuse instead of rape. Well, rape is rape is rape is rape. It doesn't have any uh, other synonyms attached to it, right? So then, you know, I grew up feeling abandoned and neglected, not good enough, not lovable, and do I even exist in the world? Right. And so, because of that, you know, I, I ended up having a major addiction problem.
1: When, when did that start? So, I, 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 I get the context. I even see the drive. I even see the sip drive. Of alcohol? Yeah. When did I alcohol was,
0: start? I was hooked at 15 or
1: 16. Okay. Were you out with your, were you out with your buddies after a game?
0: Yeah. And back in those days, it was, you know, was part of the deal. Right. Got it. So, you know, and so I used alcohol to cope with the emotional pain and suffering that was left behind from these two traumatic experiences, you know as a child.
1: Were you drinking during, like, cause I, I was looking to do the timeline and I figured out the book and I want to figure out like, I, cause I could see where honestly, no one could even blame you for that. You know, you mentioned you didn't sleep in 27 years. You understood the, you understood the concept. So when you were 15, 16 years old, when you were dealing with names and not to be spoken, whatever the fucking guy, does that make sense? We'll leave them there. Um, did you, were you drinking during that time? During the abuse?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, because You know, it was, you know, what was I? I was getting raped three times a week for two and a half years. So, you know, obviously, um, and, you know, having and wanting to be an NHL hockey player, you know, I needed something to, you know, cope with this crazy shit that was going on in my life. Right. But what we know about addiction is your addiction never gets better. Right. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And so, you know, towards the end of my professional hockey career, you know, I could no longer manage, you know, my mental illness, which was disguised as addiction and, you know, took me out of the game.
1: Can you explain that to me? Because I will take you to the end of your career. Again, i mean going sound like the guy that studied your whole life. You're at the Drake Hotel. You spent one point. I want to figure out how you spent that one point, whatever, because that's impressive. I don't need to know the answers, but 1.2 million bucks or whatever you spent in a, in a weekend at the Drake or whatever it was. You said mental illness is, was the real issue, but it was disguised as addiction. Could you describe that? Because a lot of people see themselves as an addict and it's really mental illness. Can you give us a distinction of that? I hate the
0: word addiction because it has so much shame attached to it. Okay. Okay. And so I've changed the di- the word addiction to emotional pain management. That's what right. it is. Okay? So, you know, we talked we talked earlier about Big Pharma. Well, yep. if I have a mental disorder, I go see a doctor. Doctor says, you know, what are your symptoms? Well, you know, I can't get out of bed and, you know, I'm um, this and that. Well, oh well, here, here's here's a magic pill. Take it. Well, the, the addiction is no different. Instead of taking the magic pill, we find our own formula, right? And for me, that was vodka and cocaine was my elixir that numbed me completely out where I didn't feel
1: any pain at all. So basically, you didn't have a drawer to pull from, like I said earlier, like, like here's no, the I went down.
0: I went down the big pharma road. It. Oh, you did? And I had a gun in my mouth.
1: Got it. What did they have
0: you on? What didn't they have me on? Okay. Right? I started out on Paxil, and then the Paxil stopped working. So they said, oh, we got a booster. So they attached the booster on top of the uh, Paxil. Then the, the booster stopped working. They gave me another booster, and it was like
1: insane city. And you were doing you were doing the you were doing the orange bottles along with the vodka with the cocaine? Yeah. All at the same time? All at the same time. Holy shit. Okay, got it. All right, this makes this is this is this is crazy. And what's interesting is people watching this are thinking, "Okay, that's him. He has the ability to do this." But how how prevalent is this? Cuz I and I know the answer to this. I deal with this regularly. It doesn't matter if my clients that I'm working with are Skid Row or they're somebody that are a billionaire. Do you know what I'm saying? And the, the issues are the same. They got kids with problems with cell phones, with everything else. Yeah. We have issues, cocaine's as prevalent today as it was back in the old days. The bigger problem is people are popping pills. What, what does
0: cocaine emulate in the brain chemistry that we produce? It's dopamine. Yeah. Dopamine. Dopamine, Yep. Dopamine, yep. right? So, okay, I got a story for you. So when I was in utero, my mom was taking Valium, okay? Wow. So I was the happiest baby on the planet because I'm bathing in GABA. For nine months, I'm bathing in GABA, which, which caused damage to my brain because I can't produce dopamine and serotonin when I come out into the real world when I'm no longer attached to my mother. Okay? Wow. So I'm uh, anxious. They, I got 50 labels because I can't sit still in school. You name it, right? But then, as a five-year-old, I discovered this wonderful game called hockey. And I step on the ice, pure dopamine, pure serotonin. So the only time my brain was actually functioning at the highest level was when I was on the ice. But as soon as I left the rink... I don't know how to produce dopamine and serotonin. So what do I gravitate towards? I find this white powdered substance called cocaine. Okay? And when I used to do cocaine, all the people that I did cocaine with were talking 300 miles an hour, chewing on their faces and tweaking hard. I would do it, be perfectly calm.
1: Would you call that like a functioning addict at that point? Like you could function with it? Cause I know what you mean, the lip biting and the- yeah. Yeah. All the, all, all, the, all the craziness. Yeah. So would you, would you just funk, like it worked for you? Is that because so much was missing, it got you to neutral? Yeah, because
0: the, the cocaine went into my brain and it was like, oh my God. You're back to normal. Back to normal, right? So so people who have addictions are trying to regulate their own brain chemistry. That's what they're doing, right? That's why certain people gravitate towards Opioids and heroin and all that. And then there's another side of the coin that likes to go fast and use those type of chemicals, because damage has been done to our brains when we're little wee guys. Wow and So we spend the rest of our lives trying to regulate our own brain chemistry, And that's ultimately what addiction is at the end of the day.
1: So hockey was your first addiction. Yeah. Correct. If we want to use the word addiction, it's so it's solved the dopamine, norepinephrine, serotonin levels. You drugged yourself. You had ADD in school. I don't think I think you're at the age gap where it just got invented. ADD got invented. I'm a, we're about a few years apart, you and I. And what I recognize, they, they had me on the, the meds. They sat me down. A guy with the same issue you have, the anxiety, the excitement and everything, hand me a class two controlled substance. What's that? How old were you? 42 years old. Okay. So we're a couple of years apart. No, but um, how old were you when you? I, I was I was 13 years old. My I, Come I'm from on. an MTV generation. They sat down with me. I'm auditory learner. They are trying to teach me visually, and they get me on on the on the Ritalin. Doesn't work for me, and and I'm I'm hyped out. You know what they did? That's they kids gave me, cocaine. That's they kids immediately cocaine. give me. They immediately give me um, mepramine, which is antidepressant. And then that dried me out. So they gave me something for my mouth. Then they gave me Remeron, then Adderall, then something else they gave me, XRs. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, by the time I'm in college, I can't even study without taking this stuff. So no wonder the partying and the drinking and everything else winds up surfacing. So I I, I get it. I luckily didn't have a few tweaks and I had some level of stability, my parents solid as can be, but I could see where one twist I got enough friends in rehab and issues and problems where I was strategically designed to wind up down the wrong, wrong path with this. Yeah. Nobody, nobody taught me any different. And you know who to set me up for it? My math teacher who said, your son doesn't pay attention, maybe see a therapist.
0: No, you're a bad teacher. That's what you yep. are.
1: You suck it. I, I figured like, why don't they take the best teachers in the world, the Mr. Rogers of the world, pay them $10 million a year, like a professional athlete, give kids little remotes to pay attention, put them on a big screen, make a big deal, make it exciting. And I think I'd pay attention at school. For
0: sure. Well, the, the old model of education has never changed. Yep. Right. It's desks, blackboards, all that stuff. We have a whole generation of kids who can't even pay attention for a millisecond and you want them to sit in a desk and learn. No,
1: they got the trauma
0: informed education. We need trauma informed education, which means we all have different brain chemistry. We all learn differently. And so the classroom has to be designed for each individual to be able to learn whether you're visual, audio, yep. whatever it is, yep. you know, you need to know what, what the kid, you know, grooves at and learns at. So get rid of the desks, bring in beanbag chairs and all kinds of fun stuff. And, and you know, that's how we'll learn better. So, so, so because how do we... We've, because we've, you know, so...
1: how do do we do this so so here's here's what happens i'll give you a context of this for for years i have events that are here to help people They, they get tricked into the event by tricked is the wrong word but they come in for business or they're an athlete or i work with a lot of ufc fighters and different things they're hockey players they send their kids to our events they then get there and after enough time somebody raises their hand and i've known for years unfortunately i found at a young age that 40% Forty percent of the audience has been raped, molested, abused at a minimum. Uh, drug addictions, alcoholics, and now we're a little more open about it. So they finally come to our event. They're here to make their life better, and then they realized half of them have a block of something they haven't dealt with since they were two to twenty years old. They small group of people figure that out at our event. How do we start making that mainstream where somebody says, "You know what? Trauma is something we have to actually deal with and talk about, and it should be brought up in school and a in an effective way, because I would love it if they came to me and I didn't sideswipe them that here's your real issue. How do we make this a a known fact? Like that's why I have people read your book so much and I highly recommend it if later you got a link or something where they go to get your book. I would love it if everybody read it because whether it's that extreme, or somebody was touched or misled or abandoned or whatever. Fill in the blank with the trauma. What do we do to let people know that this trauma exists? You've been at this. I want to hear your, your say, cause I'm on, I'm on this fight with you and it is a fight.
0: Well, we, we haven't figured a way to get rid of the shame. Okay. okay. That's, that's what holds all this in place is shame. Okay. So the option of shame is vulnerability. Okay. Okay. And, you know, I didn't realize it, but in the book, when I wrote the book, I wrote it in a very vulnerable way where I just laid it all out. Okay. And what happened was it gave other people permission to find their own voice and to talk about their own stuff. Right. Yeah. And so vulnerability is the key to all this. Brene Brown, vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. Right?
1: I know the level you're talking about at Yeah.
0: Because when vulnerability enters a room of people who, you know, need their memories jarred a little bit. Yep. It creates safety. And then when you have safety, that's when the magic of healing happens. And that's why those people in your audience put up their hand is because they feel safe and not judged and you know there's compassion there's empathy there's forgiveness in the room which allows them to stand up for the first time and say hey this is what happened
1: and and the stories are are traumatic and i i think that Even, I think the big challenge people have, like you mentioned 150 times, and this happened to you 150,000 times a day in your brain over and over again. So there's the physical activity, and then what most people don't recognize, that one moment where trauma might happen to you, you may traumatically abuse yourself or rape yourself a thousand times a day for the rest of your life.
0: Well, and that's that's what PTSD is. Yeah. Post-traumatic stress disorder, the movie that keeps playing in my head that I can't
1: change. Are you still dealing with that currently? What's that? You still have that movie playing?
0: No, no. You God turned it off. Because, no, because I, I rewired my brain. I went to a uh, a lady who does EMDR therapy. I love it. And I got to be the director of the movie, so I changed the you know I changed the script. I changed the actors, and you know, so when I hear that guy's name now, yeah, I don't cringe and I don't you know, it's gone.
1: That's I, I, I love that you're taking this and as someone that's you know steamed as you are and someone that's you know done what you've done in your life it, it's amazing how many people I've I've sat down with professional athletes before and said look even the way you feel about the last shift you had beating yourself up you still get your dad yelling at you in your brain and and trauma it doesn't have to be sexual it could be literally living up to your dad's expectations because your dad called you an asshole when you were six years old and then you treat your kids bad it's six generations deep. And the same theory we we do, I've been studying neuro-linguistic programming for 20 years, EMDR. I love anything that allows you to black things out, raise colors, change pictures, move the scene, big Theo comes in, saves little Theo, whatever it takes to, to solve and heal. But it's amazing how many people are still drinking Gatorade make themselves healthy instead of drinking water. It's like they're just outdated in their approach. So how do we update? I mean, therapy as a whole is outdated. Like talking about it's not gonna solve anything. First of all, they've priced
0: themselves completely out of the market. People
1: don't have 250 an hour in, uh, in Calgary? No. In your, in your little town you grew up in, people uh, with a very uh, native uh, tribe, they don't have 250 bucks an hour to solve?
0: No, they don't. Okay. That's why I say the most effective type of therapy is called group therapy. Because it costs How- you nothing. It costs nothing to get a bunch of people in a room, use vulnerability, create safety. And then once you have safety, these people start popping up. And, we, and then we have this massive conversation about trauma, about mental health, about addiction. And then together we sort of give each other tools to get better. and so then, And then that. that person becomes an advocate. And then they start helping somebody else because that's the key to all of this. You want to recover, go find somebody who's had the same experience as you and work on it together so that you're not alone in your suffering and in your pain.
1: So is that your drive these days? Because as a kid, it was to get a Stanley cup and you did that, or to make the NHL, or whatever it was you did, and that was your drive to do whatever it took. Is that your drive today, to build a world where people have someone else, or a community, or someone they can go to? Like, what's that, what is your seven-year-old watching, I don't know, Gordie Howe, or whoever you watched as a kid, you know, who, was it Gordie? I don't know, who, who'd you watch as a kid? Was it? Gretz. okay, got it. I, I love that he did the foreword of your book. He was a Phoenix native for a while, he moved out here. Um, so you watched, it was his birthday yesterday, Um, i 26, I did my report on him when I was nine. Um, So my question is, uh, Gretzky, uh, you watched him as a kid, your hero was to make the moves, do the thing, go behind the net, do all that stuff you watched him do. Mm -hmm. What is your win a Stanley Cup, hoisted over your head, Edmonton Euler moment, I know flames, but I'm just saying that moment. What is that moment for you now? Like what are you picturing your aim right now?
0: Well, 14 years ago, I hit my knees in a washroom okay, and I turned my will and my life over to the care of the universe as I understand it. Okay. The next day I woke up and I haven't had a drink
1: since. Okay. How many years has that been? You know, many days or tokens? 14. 14 years? Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah.
0: And what happened was the universe said, okay, this guy is ready to step into his true purpose and the real reason why we put him on this earth right after that.
1: Wow. So you basically got sober, basically surrendered, said, I'm here to change, and accepted your responsibility.
0: Yeah, because I, I, I didn't fight anything anymore. I didn't question anything because I turned it over because, you know, I tried to figure this out on my own. Okay. And let me left to my own defenses left to running my own life was the biggest shit show on the planet. Okay. When I'm running my own life or when I drive the bus, the bus always, 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 crashed okay so 14 years ago i said okay i'm just gonna sit in the passenger seat you guys take over tell me what to do i won't question it and i'll just do it and then all of this happened so we all have a higher purpose and that higher purpose usually falls into the helping is healing category that's why we're all here we're not here to acquire things and amass billions of dollars, that's not why we're here. We're here to help each other in relationship, get through the most difficult times in our life. That's as basic as it gets as to why we are all here.
1: I want to put this in context for everybody watching this, hoisting the Stanley cup or your sobriety, bigger achievement. Sobriety. Not even a question.
0: Not even a question
1: so all those people going after things and stuff and achievements and feeling empty inside because they didn't heal i'd love to get your definition of trauma if you have a simple eloquent definition because a lot of people listening going i didn't have his story but what is your definition of trauma because i truly believe if i were to say what i do is heal people of what's holding them back whatever that is but what is your definition of trauma because you're using that word broad And I think I have a lot of entrepreneurs watching this, successful people, athletes, fighters, all kinds of stuff. What's trauma to Theron?
0: Anything, any incident in our life that leaves us in emotional pain and suffering, that's trauma.
1: You got a few examples?
0: Uh, If you're bullied in school, that's trauma. Uh, If your parents divorced when you were very young, that's trauma. Um, somebody close to you dies that you that's trauma right so trauma is very subtle it's not doesn't have to be as extreme you know as my story like I get people coming up to me all the time you know I, I've had some trauma in my life but not as extreme as yours and I, I don't say, think
1: it's quantifiable I don't, I don't and then think it's I say to them
0: I go well like do you do you have mental health issues And they're like, yeah, I'm going, well, you know. And that's the thing about emotional pain. My emotional pain and your emotional pain feels exactly the same. There's no difference. There's no no bar, right? Emotional pain is emotional pain. I feel mine exactly the same way that you feel yours. There is no difference. The experience, yeah. The experience may be a little bit more... Extreme, but emotional pain is emotional pain, and the brain doesn't decipher between emotional and physical pain, right? So and if, I'll give you examples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I actually suffered more physical trauma to my body than emotional trauma. Okay. So when I started out on this journey, I only worked on my emotional pain. Guess what I'm working on today? physical pain, all those hits that I took in my career are now like right in my face. My emotional state of mind is great, but now I'm
1: dealing with the physical trauma,
0: you know, that happened as an athlete.
1: And is, is that a, now, do you think that your strength or you have emotionally right now that you have is helping you deal with that more effectively instead of beating yourself up about, oh my God, I'm I'm this age, this is horrible. Well, your what's emotional What's interesting
0: is, is the physical, Pain triggers my emotional pain, right? So i I have this thought in my head, you know. I got a sore neck and I can't move my neck. Oh, I'm gonna die! I got a tumor. You know what I mean? Like, yes, yeah. it's, it's almost like a hypo hypochondriac type of yeah. thing, right? And so, you know, I have to use these tools, right? I got to meditate. I got to breathe. I got to exercise. I got to, you know, all these things that You know, my old toolbox was filled with alcohol, drugs, food, sex, gambling, you know, you name it. That was my old toolbox. So I had to switch the toolbox to meditation, yoga, you know, all of these holistic practices that have been around for a million years, but we don't want to talk about them because they're, you know, they're too foo-foo and they're too out there and whatever, But they work. They work. If you do them, you know, if you keep doing them, guess what happens? Your brain starts to rewire, right? And that's the whole idea behind this is you can
1: rewire your trauma. You can rewire your brain. So how do we get, so I, this stuff that you're talking about, has been out for years. I, I'm, I'm asking you for advice on this. Well, you and I are on a similar mission doing in a different direction, but the sa- actually the same damn direction. Let's get really clear. The same direction, maybe different modality of this. And side note, here's where my ADD hel- is helpful. There's a really crazy technique I'm gonna get you offline called um, the ARP Wave Machine, if you're not familiar with it, for healing muscles. Does the same thing EMDR does. Rewires the circuitry of the muscles, convinces the body they're healed. Craziest shit in the world. I'll send it over to your team. You're gonna thank awesome. me for that. Got rid of spasms and like shit that you wouldn't even imagine. It is literally like a rewiring of the circuitry of your nerves. It's a very simple process, I'm sure. It is in one session. I got rid of spasms I had for 20 years. I will get it all over to Don, and you're gonna thank me, and you owe me a box of Timmys. But the um, which is another drug in itself. But uh, but the uh, the the question is, we're on this mission to make people aware, to make people comfortable with talking. I'd love to break this down in simplicity. So we're talking to kids. I noticed you talked to a lot of high school kids and you're talking, you're, you start where the problem starts. Yeah. Young age, what are a few things we would tell people about, give them rules like, it's okay to talk about this, find someone to help. Like what is the series of rules because Well, we were taught as kids, shut the fuck up, bottle it up, hide it inside, don't tell anybody. Drink, take the shot, do do the beer bong, suck it up, drink your Labatt Triple X or whatever we drank when we were. Remember that crap? We drank when we were kids.
0: Old stock. There you go. Yep,
1: all the old stuff we had were kids. Shut up and and deal with it. What is the new set of rules that we should be giving our next generation, our kids? Because they're using this and they're looking at Kim Kardashian for answers and she's got a moral obligation, that lady to make the world better. In my opinion, she's making it worse.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, you know, we have all these mental health organization charities that the, the key word they use is talk. Okay? Okay. Well, what the hell are we talking about?
1: What are they talking about? Because I don't see answers.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? So instead of maybe saying talk, why don't we ask the question, what happened to you? What happened to you? Because at the end of the day, that's eventually where you get to
1: in therapy. Right? And actually talking about it is, is the beginning of the healing. It's admitting, yeah. which is the most shameful, hard part to admit that you're not perfect.
0: But, right? but again, what are you admitting to? something that happened to me that was a very traumatic experience. When you get that off your chest, oh, my God, that's the, that's the light bulb moment. That's the aha moment. Because four days before I went to Toronto to release my book, I was shitting my pants. I was like, what the hell did I do? Because I didn't know how the world was going to react to what was in the book. I could say so I took a leap of faith. I just said, "You know what? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired." And, you know, in 12 step we have this saying, "You're only as sick as your Secret. secrets." Damn. I remember I was I remember it well, I was in treatment and I went to this very high profile A meeting in Malibu, right? With all these actors and directors and all this stuff. And it was a birthday meeting. Okay? So the guys were getting, you know, 16 years, five years, three years, two years, one year. But this guy got up on stage to receive his 16-year chip, and he gets up on the mic, and he says seven words. You're only as sick as your secrets. And it was like he threw a friggin' sledgehammer and hit me right between the eyes because I was like, wow. Yeah, I got lots of secrets. And guess what? I am sick. Physically, emotionally, spiritually I'm sick.
1: Right? And so the last the last thing and the only thing I hadn't tried yet was the truth. That's strong. The only thing I didn't try was the truth. Yeah. Wow. Cuz what are
0: we doing? We're living this fuck we're living this secret life. Right? Like we go home, we got kids, we're like, you know, we're Everything's okay. And we, you know, we wear lipstick really well, right? But the insides didn't match the outsides.
1: So we're playing a part. You're directing a movie. It's almost like you did with the trauma you directed in a way to be a loser or to lose, not be a loser, but to lose. And then you redirected your trauma to be a winner, but most people are putting a mask on as a winner, but they feel like the loser on the inside. So we need to start educating people to talk about things. I look at my seven year old and she literally tells us everything. There's no, there's no holding back, tells us everything, asks us everything too. She wants to be in every adult conversation. And she sat down, we're at the car the other day and we didn't want to tell her something because it, she didn't need to know. And I, did, I, I almost did a trauma move and I said like what my parents would have said, not a child conversation. And then she said, okay, aren't we on the same team that you ask me to tell you everything? She's very influential, right? And she she tricked me and she goes, "Aren't aren't we here to tell each other, you asked me to tell you everything. Are you telling me that that's not true? Can you at least give me a kid version? And I thought about that, like letting our children know it's okay to literally tell us everything and also tell them the good, the bad, and the ugly may solve some of this problem and stop hiding things because our insecurity is really what the issue is. So I had a friend who was a speaker for years. He said he wishes he was a little more insecure. He would have been more successful. He just passed last year. He's a little guy. I'd tell that story another time. But he goes, I wish I was a little more insecure. I might've been more successful. And that's another thing is, does any of the success that you feel like you had in the public eye or with the NHL or with hockey was driven by the insecurity, whether it was your size or your parents or embarrassment of how you grew up? There's no question that
0: you know when i think when i think back on my life you know all this stuff that i went through was part of my plan okay this was all part of my plan right because genius if i wasn't angry i wouldn't have been successful in the nhl yeah. i would have even never had a career in the nhl if i wasn't angry But if i didn't have those experiences as a child i would have never been angry and i never would have been in the nhl right but because i had success you know and considered a winner now in this space that i'm in now yeah of course people want to listen because you've got a platform so you created a because that because of that success but guess what when I'm on stage, I don't say anything about hockey. I don't talk about hockey, you know? So, you know, there, there's, there's a plan for your life. And when you get out of the way and stop driving the bus, then that plan can, take, can fulfill and take you to where you're supposed to be, and that's your purpose in life. But if you hang on to the steering wheel and hang on to the reins, you're not going to fulfill your true purpose in life. So in the deepest you
1: completely let go. So you're saying in the deepest possible level, and, and I'm, I mean, there's any terms as they are, is that whatever needed to happen to you to get to where it is that you're at is going to help the world greater. As part of like an embryonic plan of the mom with the Valium to yeah. coach coming and finding it, 12 to your everything that you dealt with the alcohol, the drugs, the ex wife, everything was designed so you the could fact affect the whole, the whole country, country, your our country, our country, the world, the world get South Australia, Australia, all the world. world that, that, yep. that it needed, needed to occur, occur yes. To, yes. Open to open up to your up destiny. destiny. Yes. Because this, this, this is who Theron really, really, really is. Yeah.
0: They're gifts. Right? My parents were a gift. My abuser was a gift. Because without those experiences, I'm not here. I'm not talking to you today about this stuff. Because without the experience, I can't have an impact.
1: How long did it take you to get there? Because I I get people there in several days, total immersion, 40 hours, jam them in a room, figure that out. How many years did it take you to get over Farm Boy from Canada? Put you in that category, right? Tough as nails, walking the fence, Brother, uh, son of, kid of five, right? Five brothers and sisters, is that right? Uh, three, two three. brothers. Oh, forgive me, I added some people to your family. Um, how, did it, how many years did it take you from drop to your knees to accepting the fact that you were doing all this and that this needed to happen and accepting that? Because some people watching this going, he's nuts. Um, there's no way they'll, I'll ever forgive. I'll never forgive my abuser. I'll never. You're never going to get better.
0: If you don't okay. forgive, you're never going to get better. And I'll tell you a great story. Great story right now about forgiveness. I'd love to hear it. So I wrote my second book with a neuroscientist. Yep. Okay. And she told me right from the beginning, when we started writing the book, I can rewire your brain. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know what I mean? She goes, no, I can rewire your brain. So, you know, I'm a poker player. So I, shoved all my chips in the middle of the table. And I said, I'm all in, show me how to do that. And so we went on this four year journey of conversations back and forth to rewire my brain. But about halfway through the book, we're like set an intention that we wanted to go start working in the prison system in Canada. Wow. Just not really knowing why, or I think we were just curious. Okay. So that has come to fruition. I've been to like 25 prisons all over Canada, speaking to inmates, okay? So we go to this place just outside of Winnipeg called Stony Mountain Penitentiary. And it has a maximum, medium, and minimum security in in the prison. It's huge, massive prison. So I have 400 of the baddest dudes on the planet in my audience, and we're having an incredible conversation about trauma mental health and addiction okay like we're actually going back and forth you know they're asking amazing questions okay so i look out into my audience and i see this kid st- way in the back of the room and he can't even sit in his chair he's so fired up right cuz the safety has come into the room right and all these guys want to start talking about their trauma right so this kid stands up. He looks exactly like Eminem, the rapper. Okay, he's got the flat beat cap. He's got tattoos from his neck all the way down to his feet, and you know he's doing the, you know, the hip hop thing. So the kid stands up. He goes, "Steel Flurry says you're my hero." I was like, "Whoa, wow!" You know, we're in prison here. And he said, as you can see, he says, I'm not the biggest guy in the world. And he said, I used to be a really great hockey player. And he said, when I was 14 years old, he said, I got involved with the wrong crowd. And I started selling drugs. And he said, I've been in and out of jail ever since. I was like, wow, okay. Then he says, you'll never guess who I was with three weeks ago in Grand Cache, Alberta. Oh, and I got to back it up. So when Kim and I were writing the book, she asked me about forgiveness. And I was like, no fucking way. Who do I, I, I got to forgive? These people did these horrible things. I'm not. A, she said, stop right there. She goes, I just want you to think about forgiveness. And I said, okay, I can do that. I can think about forgiveness. So anyways, this kid is standing in front of me. He goes, you'll never guess who I was with three weeks ago in Grand Cache, Alberta. I was like, who were you with? He said, I was with Graham James, the guy that abused me. He was in jail with this guy. And he said, Theo, because you're my hero, he said, my sole intent while I was in that prison was I was going to beat the shit out of this guy for you. But he said, Graham is very heavily guarded because everybody wants to beat the shit out of this guy, right? So he said, I waited and I waited and I waited. And he said, I got my chance. He said, the guards left his room and I walked into his room and he wasn't there. So I started searching around. He said, I went to the left side of the bed. He wasn't there. He said, I walked over to the right side of the bed and there he was. Curled up in a ball in the fetal position in the corner of his room. And the kid said to me, he said, "Uh, you know, I didn't do anything. You know what I said to the kid? I said, you're my hero for not doing anything. Wow. And that was the first time in my whole entire process that I actually forgave myself for what happened. Because somebody who's laying in the fetal position in the corner of a room, they're in pain and they're suffering. And guess what? I'm not. I'm at a prison
1: helping People, right? Wow. That is, that, how long ago was that? Probably five years ago. That is like that whole statement of hurt people, hurt people. That was just a beautiful example of just a hurt person in the fetal position hiding in the corner. So if people saw their abuser, and I always talk about, this is interesting, because I'm, I'm gonna use this, I'm, everything you have shared, at some context, I'm gonna use somewhere to help somebody else, which is what this is all about. If people saw their abuser or their person as a hurt person, sometimes, instead of looking at it as a victor, a lot of times you were raped or abused or have a problem, you picture the person partying, acting great, that person's in pain themselves.
0: Yeah, anybody okay. who's who's inebriated is, is- masking some kind of emotional pain, which is traced back to a traumatic experience.
1: Wow. And I didn't wanna know what happened to that guy. because that makes sense? At some point in his life, I'm certain he went through, you don't wake up one day deciding to be a pedophile. You don't wake up one day deciding to be, I don't even know if that's the appropriate term, uh, wanting to molest people or or harm them or or beat people. Shit happens to you and you wind up changing the trajectory of what it is that you do. So, so, so when, my, we
0: look, when we look at epigenetics... Yep. After I, I started delving into epigenetics, I go, you know what? This is nobody's fault. Nobody's fault, right? Because all this DNA, all this shit that happens to each generation gets passed on to us. And even though we may not have experienced you know, my great grandfather's trauma, he's passed the gene somewhere down in my DNA, which causes me to feel a certain way or my brain doesn't develop properly or whatever it is. And it's like, you know what? It really isn't anybody's
1: fault here. So, so what are you doing with your kids? You have uh, four kids, is that correct? Four? Four kids. Um, and then uh, from two different moms, right? What the three, okay, three different moms. Um, and so one of the kids, son, right, is through, was there through the shit, correct? And then kids that are less through the shit, the new version, the new, the, 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 the real Theron that your mom always wanted you to be. What are you doing to assist and serve and help without meddling to realize that these genes are in there? The mom's, your mom's volume is in each of these kids. Does that make sense? You and I are speaking our level of thinking.
0: Well, um, my kids anxiety. have my mom's depression, her yep. anxiety. All, all these things. Right. So, so it's an open door. Okay. Like my kid, each one of my kids have seen me speak. I love it. Okay. And you know, they come up to me and they go, wow, I had no idea. Cause they were only getting one version of the story, right. From mom who, you know, was probably pissed off and, angry with me right she which didn't know the whole story which, when you get lied to for
1: years you don't know which, you, yeah which the is fine be
0: yeah which is fun and every relationship is repairable until we
1: stop breathing every relationship is repairable that's a big line i'm gonna make that a big quote that's the truth <laughs> even is. the one with ourselves yes every relationship is repairable you may want to write that down for yourself if you don't say that right. often and and i always
0: say you know like I'm one of the lucky ones because I got to play the country music record backwards because I got my dog back, my car back, my girl back, my house back. Like I got everything back. Right. But if I take one drink, country record starts playing forward again and I start to lose everything. Right. Cause alcohol and drugs is like a solvent. When I put it in my body, shit starts to disappear. My wife, my kids, my job, my house, every, everything disappears when I put alcohol and drugs in my body. So I know that I can't drink anymore, can't.
1: Yeah, I, I quit about four, I quit four years ago and um, biggest reason I quit is how can I help you or help anyone else if well, I to accept the power of my own influence, I said. And i like, I'm sitting here with my wife out to dinner with a fancy bottle of wine. What kind of message am I sending knowing that half the world has a problem with it? Question for you, and this is this is big, because you've been sober uh, 14 plus years, you said? Yep. And um, a lot of business owners and stuff are watching this. The world, man, when, until you stop drinking, you don't realize how much people drink. Oh, yeah. Airport, hotel, mini bar, bar in the lobby, Vegas shouldn't even go near. What are the words you have for somebody knowing, you, whether they're in the program or not, knowing that this is not serving them, it's not helping them, they, they're watching this interview going, got it. I'm going to start with the drinking. I'm going to stop with the stuff. What, what do you recommend knowing that if you're traveling or anything, that shit's just so prevalent? Like, How do you deal with that? What is your mechanism? Because you stay in hotel rooms. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't even think about it anymore. Okay. You know? But uh, let's say thir- uh, but, 12 years
0: ago. But you have to change absolutely every single thing about your life. Everything, people, places, and things you have to change. Cause if you don't, you're going to keep drinking. Right.
1: Got it. Got it. And that's the key. Change that. So you, you, it, you have,
0: to, have to change everything. Like I got another story for you. I, I, so when I, I,
1: I, keep them going. If you're good on time, I love stories. Yeah. When I got sober, everybody
0: said to me, you want to find out who your real friends are? Get sober. Okay. <laughs> so I got sober I had 500 phone numbers in this phone. Yes. 500 phone numbers. Yep. So you know what I did? I called all 500 numbers. And I said, listen, made a choice, made a decision, not drinking, not doing drugs, not going to bars. So don't ask me to do that. But if you'd like to come to my house, I'll cook you a nice dinner. First time in our relationship, we'll actually have a meaningful conversation. You know how many friends I had left? Two. Who was that? Two buddies of mine. Okay. But that's all I needed. Right? Because they loved me, cared enough about me, wanted to see me do well. And you know what I call the other 498? My 10 o'clock friends. Yeah. you know what happens at 10 o'clock, right? Yep. When they get all fucking drunk and, you know, close talking and shit, right? The truth <laughs> comes out, right?
1: It, it, you, know? you couldn't say it more accurate than that.
0: So... But what's happened is the 498 have come back. Why? Because it's the law of attraction, not promotion.
1: Are they getting sober also? So
0: I went, I went on my own journey. Yep. Got sober, got my shit together, all this stuff. And then people, these 498 would see me out. And they would come up and they'd go, wow, do you ever look good? Like, what did you do? Like, what are you doing? I said, I got fucking sober. That's what happened, you know, which then invites them into the conversation because they're going, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm drinking a lot or I'm doing this or I'm doing that now I can bring them in.
1: So you led by example, but the leader you always were in sports. You decided to be a leader, followed your big leader buddy, Wayne. Does that make sense so 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 how how I guess this is a under the bus conversation if if it's appropriate to have, how prevalent is the alcohol abuse in athletes that are retired versus them having this intelligent conversation? I don't need the names or anything, but how much of a an issue is that because this isn't solely one category, right yep. this is
0: a societal issue. What do you think the most common used drug? by trauma survivors is
1: well it's probably alcohol
0: alcohol yep alcohol and it's legal yep it's legal and very sociably acceptable
1: right and the more money you have the more you can hide it get a better brand better booze whatever better something yeah like we've created this whole
0: culture like the wine industry are you fucking kidding me
1: (laughs) are you kidding me I'm not kidding you, I, I get it, it's, it's a it's whole- It's unbelievable, it it's, is unbelievable. And it plays to the ego, and the ego guy's the one with the trauma. So you've got a guy with an ego that, and I'm not saying I'm not putting labels on everybody, you've got a guy that's producing a billion dollar business so he can go be on some list somewhere to get some wine that's $9,000 a bottle, right? To feed the trauma that he has of an insecurity that he can prove that he has this big like like uh, this dick swinging contest of of uh, how much wine I can buy, then drinking it,
0: right? But do you know he who has the most toys when he yep. dies, yep. still
1: dies. Truth, yes, <laughs> yes, right. So we, how do we how do we change this? I mean, I can't change everybody, but let's talk well, that you four ninety eight. Let's those talk people, that four
0: ninety eight. Get those people helping other people, right?
1: I, I did. I, but one of the guys on our team, Chip here is on video. He said he said amazing words the other day to me. He said, we're telling people to help people and maybe they're insecure and they can't help people. If you can't help people, bring, in, bring them to the help. And I heard those words, I'm like, that is genius. And that's why I connected with you. Cause I'm like, if you can't hear it from me, hear it from you. If your book lights them up, either of the books, which I recommend both of them, Get lit up. If you need EMDR, you need what I do. You need AA, you need NA, SNL, whatever it is that you need. Eat. Whatever it takes,
0: Yes. whatever it, like, whatever it takes, right? That's, that's the bottom line. And then, because it's a daily routine, that's it, right? I, have, I, I live in a 24 hour space.
1: Give me your 24 hours, I wanna hear what it looks like.
0: Well, I get up, I have a coffee, do a little meditation, you know, light a smudge, do some yep. smudging. You know that kind of stuff, and then yeah. you know then i then I hang out with guys like you and talk about you know the problem and the issue, and then I do my own podcast or i 'm on i 'm on the stage speaking whatever it is, but my whole twenty four hours is i would say the majority of it is dedicated to helping one person every day get some help
1: I love it, it. well how how can I help you best i 'd love to help you any way I can i mean And and as as a human being, I admire what you do. You have that anger inside. I heard a guy say years ago, there's never been angrier angrier people than uh, Gandhi and Martin Luther King that inside their head, they had so much anger. I think it was um, Alan Watts that said it. If you ever heard Alan Watts, you gotta check him out. You'd love him. And he said, the anger that they had inside of their heads that it wasn't okay the way the world was, showed up in love in the world how do I serve, how do I serve you best in your cause? Cause if ever, I can help anybody or do anything. I just want to open up my heart and my wisdom or anything to help you. If I can do anything, I'm going to recommend uh, your books to our people, whatever you're up to, book you to speak. How, how can Michael Burnoff help with what you well, have? Well, I,
0: I just, the more people I can get in front of the I think, you know, I have an impact. You do. Wherever I go, you know, and I think, um, I just love to reach that one person in the audience and just grab them and, you know, get the light bulb to go off to shine. Right. Because that's the key to all of this. When the light bulb goes on, you're unstoppable because all that shame, all that, those inadequacies, I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. You know, it it changes something inside of you because you go, holy shit. Not only am I not in the minority, but I'm in the majority here. And that's what my audience takes away every time is that they go, geez, I never thought that, you know, this particular event that happened to me changed my life and put it on a different path. Right. Whether it's addictions or, Sex uh, addiction, or you know, whatever it was. I was, you know, when all that, remember when all that Ashley Madison stuff came out? Yeah. I was like, man, I can't believe how many people are traumatized. That was my first thought.
1: Traumatized by it happening or being no,
0: involved? Trauma in general, you know, yep, caused how many subscriptions to ath- exactly. Ashley Madison? Yep. That's trauma. Yes, that's not infidelity. That's not any. That's lacking all of these things. I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. Right? Can't be loved. Yeah. Right. So you get into these secret, you know, affairs that are feeding your dopamine and serotonin and all of your brain chemistry. Right. That's the way I thought of it.
1: Whereas the majority of the world, they just shit all over those people. That's their their moral side came out instead of their human side. Right. And they, were, they right. were so concerned more biblically or- or well, like, which, is,
0: which is the church who told us that sex was bad.
1: Yeah. When we're
0: mammals and it's a natural thing to do. They made, it, they made it a bad thing.
1: And then everybody's worried they're bad. And then what happens is you wind up with stigmas and problems- well, Because and it, it, just, just-
0: it just piles on to how already how you feel. Right? Wow. You know? And so if you look at it from a different lens, but we, w- we won't look at it from a different lens, right? Because we would, you know, people would rather look at my story and go, yeah, that guy blew $50 million and, you know, he's a crackhead and all this stuff. No, no, I was in pain. That was it. I was in pain.
1: And that's your story. It's that, it's that simple. You, you, numb, you took all those years and numbed it down. To I was in pain and I'm not now. Cost me $50 million to save my pain.
0: life. I'm still in pain, but I have a whole bunch of tools that gets me out of pain pretty quick.
1: What's the fastest tool you pull out of your box now?
0: Meditation,
1: man. How does somebody start that? I know you're, I know we don't have to get into the yoga class, but. No, so sc- we have this word. phone, we have this
0: phone, yep. okay? And every phone has this little app called YouTube. Got it. Okay. And there's a little magnifying glass and you press the magnifying glass for the search engine and punch in meditation. Meditation. Oh, wow. Okay, there's meditation music. There's meditation for sleep. uh, Probably meditation for
1: dummies if you look.
0: For anxiety. uh, Let's see. Meditation for beginners. Meditation for positive energy. Meditation for kids. You know, and it takes what 10 15 minutes to throw on a set of headphones and go through a guided meditation to change your brain chemistry pretty simple i love it
1: just get started yeah just get started right wow this is this has been a this has been a trip in all all levels and i i connected with your you playing with fire like immediately cuz i i after you wrote it i already could tell that you did the work um, by the you have to know the work to see the work throughout the way you wrote the wrote it and i could tell the way you told it was a healing in itself whether you realized it or not do you believe that putting that book out there and i'd love you to just to let everyone know afterwards how they can get access to that i mean obviously you can get it on amazon or something but if there's a place you
0: can just go to theoflurry.life and uh go okay, to we'll our put store that down below. and i'll uh i'll send an autographed copy
1: okay perfect i love that I feel that there's a healing there as well, because I've read a lot of books. I read Bob Probert's book. I read Nyland's stuff. And I'm very into people in the public eye, and he's another guy big in the program, hopefully he's still doing good. I don't know if you've reached out to Chris at all, but- uh, Oh yeah, we've, but, we've
0: done some events together.
1: Okay, I love what he's up to. I sent a text to him a couple of months ago. One of my buddies does a high profile AA with him in Boston and, um, or in Montreal, one of the two. And, and, and what's, what's interesting about this is that uh, I get moved all the time hearing the stories and sometimes hearing somebody what they went through and the trauma of like Bob's story or anything, that, that gone wrong, does that make sense? And, and Absolutely. the story didn't end. Well, do you feel that if somebody reads your story, it's okay. Then they can tell their story. Absolutely. Would that be a good step in the right direction for somebody that's hiding and dealing with someone just to start by listening to your story?
0: Yeah. That's why I wrote the book. Right. Cause you know, there's not too many professional athletes who write books where they're talking about the stuff that I was talking about. Right. I don't
1: think I read it ever.
0: You know, and, and that's that vulnerability piece that I'm talking about. That's what makes a great book is a book that makes you, or a story that makes you feel absolutely every single feeling that you have.
1: I couldn't put that thing down.
0: Yeah. And it was amazing. And, and what I always tell people is, you know, like, it's okay to tell your story because it's your story. And you get to tell your story whichever way you want. And the people that judge you are the ones that they themselves have stuff in their closet. Hmm.
1: So you're telling me when you come to somebody and you, they want to heal, but they don't want to heal, and they give you a hard time, or they give you shit, or they tease you, they just got to look in the mirror themselves.
0: Yeah, that's what I say to them. I go, you can judge me all you want, but... Just so we know that your side of the street is clean, can I have a peek into your closet? Because if I get a peek into your closet, I'm going to find the exact same thing that I had the courage and the strength to talk about. Right? So I'm not hiding anymore, but you still are because you're, you've been triggered and you're judging and you're pointing the finger at me. So that tells me you just outed yourself—that you're a trauma survivor as well.
1: Wow, this has been uh, this is this has been incredible. I've really enjoyed. I could talk to you five more hours. I, I respect your time. I think I asked you for forty-five minutes. We're going on ninety, and I could talk to you for three more days on this. Is there any last words or anything that you would love to just share with? Uh, who's watching this? Is humans and humans that. I've accepted that they're not where they wanna be in their life, that they've accepted that there's a bigger way of playing. Is there any advice you'd give from the highest mountaintops you've been on to the lowest depths of hell that you've been to that you'd love to give humans and their families and people that really have a chance to make a difference? Because our audience are people that truly are committed to the quality of their life and are ready for change. These are your advocates. Any words you have for your, your team here? Well, v-
0: vulnerability is the ultimate encourage. courage. Okay, And then that courage is contagious, right? Because your courage is going to allow somebody else to find their own courage, right? So I, I love the old uh, Vidal Sassoon commercial, greatest marketer in the history of our planet. Because he said, two friends told two friends, and they told two friends, and so on, and so on, and so on, and so on. And this is how this works. Wow. You're in the audience and you hear that one guy say something that triggers something inside of you to make change. Then you, whatever you get, you have to give it away. Right? So whatever you get, you got to give it away. So, because why would you go through all that pain and suffering if you're not going to give it away? Because that's the secret sauce here is how do I go on to have a healthy, happy, joyful, peaceful, productive life? I think that's that's, all everybody's after. That's the best revenge in all of this. Right? But if I became my abuser, nobody wins. Right? So I got to rise above that, realize this is part of my plan. My experiences are part of my plan, and pain is the greatest motivator that we have. Because when we're in pain, it says, oh, something's wrong in the world. Something needs to change. That's why I'm in pain. And I need to get to the core and the root of that pain
1: in order to rise above and heal. Right? Wow. So you healing. basically became your own abuser. You were being abused and you became your own abuser. Yeah, absolutely. After, after my abuser left my life, I took over the abuse because I, I didn't feel
0: good enough and I didn't feel lovable and all this stuff, right? I had all this guilt and shame and all this shit I was carrying around. So, the last yeah. thing I'll then say, the last thing I'll say. And I got to ask
1: one more. After your last thing, I got, you just hit me with another thing. You're going to get one more last thing.
0: So when I work with addicts and alcoholics, The first question I ask them is I say, where are you at in your spirituality? Because that's the key to all of this. That there's something greater than myself that's running the show here. It's not me. I'm not running the show. There's something greater. So, you know, about five years into my sobriety, I hit a wall and I was like, this is what sobriety is. I don't want any part of it. I might as well go back and drink. And that's when I realized that step one, two, three, in the program of 12 step was all about spirituality. And so I went on a spiritual journey and I've been on a spiritual journey for a long time. Right. And where, where I found, felt, felt the most comfortable is in the Aboriginal community.
1: So I is practice- that your heri- That's your heritage too, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So I go to sweat lodges and powwows and, participating drumming circles and all of this, I smudge, you know, all these things. And when I do it, man, do I feel connected to something greater than myself. So spiritual practice every day, whether that's doing yoga or, you know, meditating like the Buddhists do or whatever it is. Right. And I've taken a little bit of, bit of each religion and each spirituality and I made it my own. Right, Because I get to pick my own God. Nobody get, nobody's going to pick the God of my own
1: understanding. I get to pick it. I feel like I'm talking to myself. This is, this is, uh, this is the, 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 so well said.
0: Yeah, because at the end of the day, that's what's going to hold you together. That's what's going to keep you on the straight and narrow is that spiritual connection. Because when I'm connected spiritually, I'm never alone. I am never
1: alone. And I could never be by myself, never. So I understand the fear and the doubt and the, the, old, the old you, what is the emotion? This is like, like you said, you got five years into the 12 steps and you're like, this is it, this is boring. Do you know what I'm saying? I want the 498 back, I only got the two friends. What is the emotion that Theron feels on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? I know the old emotion, we don't need to go there. What is the feeling you get? Like if you had to give it one word or a feeling that is the predominant dominant emotion inside of your body like that north star on a regular basis that your your family sees you have your kid
0: it's funny um you might not think this but when i tap into my sadness is when i have the most joy i get it
1: you ever cry in your you ever cry in your car listening to music i cry all the time yeah
0: right and i know every time i cry i'm healing my anger
1: Mm.
0: Because that's what anger is. Anger, anger is sadness turned inward, right? And and my biggest fear was I, I, I was always afraid that once I started crying, I would never stop. Really? Yeah, that was my biggest fear because I didn't want to be that sad, right? I didn't want to you know express that emotion because we were always told. To suck it up. Stop crying. Yeah, you had that dad. I saw the videos. You had
1: that dad. He did not cry that guy.
0: I'll give you something to cry about. Yeah. Right? You know? And that's why I'm so connected to these guys in prison because they're all angry. But really, they're really sad guys. And nobody's ever, you know, helped them get to the sadness part of their life. Nobody's ever explained to them what you know,
1: true sadness is. Wow. And part of that is not knowing who you are. So who who are you today? If you were to sum it up, who are you today in your life? Like, who is Theron Flurry, 2020, January 27th? Who are you today?
0: Well, I'm a work in progress. Um, you know, people always... Um, You know, I always say I'm not that evolved yet. And, you know, I think that takes all expectations out of the equation. You know, because I don't have expectations. All I want to do is get, I want to be better today than I was yesterday. And that's not leaps and bounds. That's just baby steps. Because if I don't, if I don't experience the pain and the suffering and then move out of it, then I'm not going to get better. Right. And so it is a daily grind, but I do experience moments of joy and happiness and all that. And to me, that's a win because I, I never felt that way.
1: And this is your favorite. This is your, this is your skating on the pond, this conversation now, right? Whether it's this or on stage. Yeah. Whatever, whatever it takes, right. That's, That's what this is all about. Whatever it takes
0: for me to get better every day, I'm willing to do it, right? And that's basically the only thing
1: I pray for is willingness. That's it. I love it. I love it. Well, I appreciate I appreciate your time. I appreciate your, your desire to share and your, your willingness to help out. If those are, people are watching this right now, again, um, we'll put up your website one more time. Pick up that book. Do you recommend everyone starts with Playing With Fire before they read um, the second book? Yeah. That's what I did. And then if somebody wants to get a hold of you to book you to speak at an event, uh, you, you're willing to travel anywhere?
0: Anywhere. Yeah, okay. And you can go to theoflurry.life. Is my okay. website and uh, my assist my business manager Don will get back to you immediately and uh, yeah she's quick we'll go anywhere we love uh, you know I love people I love their stories I love their struggles you know it's it's all part of life and you know by by me listening to other people's stories I learn right I learn if you want to heal go help somebody else
1: heal yes and that's key. And that's what we've got to do. We got to get as many people in front of this possible. I'm so happy you're out there. I'm so happy you're doing this. I'm so happy you're, uh, you're covering the world and Canada as a whole. And I know the challenge up there is a group of human beings that don't really want to talk about this at all because of the culture, but, um, all right. Well, any, I don't, any other final thoughts? If not, I'll wrap it up.
0: No, man. It was just, it was awesome conversation. Um, you know, I, 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 love these kind of conversations because, you know, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. That's what it's all about. is relationship, 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 relationship. That's why I call myself an expert in relational trauma is because I was injured in relationship. And how am I going to repair it? In relationship. That's how we rewire the brain. That's how we rewire the, rewire the brain is in relationship. Right? I love it. We can't do it by ourselves.
1: No. you cannot
0: a- do this by
1: yourself i tried failed miserably so you did have final words you did have final words for everybody stop trying to do it themselves right
0: yep it's
1: okay to ask for
0: help doesn't mean you're weak it means you're a person of tremendous courage and strength and you're a warrior a warrior
1: i like that you said that you're not a victim you're a victor or you were you were, so you yeah, you've already you've already been through it. Who, who was the first person off the off the subject here? Who was the first person that you you went to and actually had the courage to ask for help? Who was that?
0: I think it was God.
1: Okay. Yeah. What, what did God say back to you?
0: Well, the next morning I woke up and I didn't desire a drink or any drugs.
1: Cold turkey. And
0: it's been, and it's been fourteen years. So you just quit cold turkey. Well, I don't know. Something happened because it was gone the next morning. Wow. Like I had it out with God in a washroom like 14 years ago. And I was like, can't do this anymore. So I'm, I'm done. And you take over, but don't put any more shit on my plate. I said to God, I go, don't put any more shit on my plate. I go, I I'll, I'll take care of this. Yes, You take care of that. And then at the end of the conversation, I said, God, please take away the obsession to drink and do drugs. And sure enough, the next morning I woke up and it was gone.
1: I got this big push I have in the world and I'm so happy you exist and that we are paths crossed is that I believe that if we can impact before I die, 1% of the people on this earth that's it. It's a small number to have happier lives, to be, feel less trauma, to have the courage to listen, to accept a phone with two friends versus 498. I did my purpose and I will die in peace. And that's all I teach my kids. Just so with every event that we speak at, every podcast, if this literally gets one out of a hundred people to have a tougher conversation than they normally do, this was the best hour of my life I ever spent. Well, thanks for joining us for The Average Sucks Show. And the big question people ask is like, Michael, what is next? And the answer is simple. Get Average Sucks, my brand new book. And the reason why I want you to have this is if there's things you want in your life and for some reason you've said to yourself, why am I holding back? Why am I not getting what I want? I know I'm capable of more. This book answers all of that and more. So go to averagesucks.com. Check out all the other stuff on the page. Got a bunch of bonuses for you. Get the book, read the book, and most importantly, follow the instructions. They're very simple. You'll finish this little book in, uh, in a couple hours. Real easy to read and it's going to start showing you how to get more of what you want in this world. So AverageSucks.com and catch us on the next Average Sucks Show.